From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. On a Tuesday night, we welcome you into the program. My name's Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for making us part of your evening. Have you till 8 o'clock this evening, a full two-hour edition of the show. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I wanted to start with this today. I wanted to go back to something from yesterday. If you've listened to me very much yet, I think you probably kind of know I'm not a hot take guy. I like to be somebody who thinks through things. I'm not going to say something just to get a reaction from you. If that's what you're looking for and your radio needs, I don't want to see you go elsewhere, but you might need to go because that's not me. That's not the way I go about things. So I said something yesterday, and to me, I I thought it was a very uh, cold take. It wasn't a hot take. I didn't I didn't think it was controversial whatsoever, but we got some response to it yesterday. We got a phone call. I've had some tweets about it. Uh, we got into the randomness of baseball. And by the way, in case you are looking for uh, an update on what's going on right now in the baseball playoffs, the Yankees are getting closer and closer to advancing to the ALCS. They lead Cleveland 5-1 in the top of the ninth inning. Later on today, Phillies and Padres in LCS game one. I... I didn't think there was anything crazy, anything outlandish about saying that I don't like the randomness of this year's baseball postseason, that I want to see the better teams win. And somebody called up yesterday and said, well, then they then should just be the top team from the American League team, American League and the top team from the National League and just put them in the World Series like it used to be. And I wasn't, I really wasn't saying that. But these series have been very random, and we went through some numbers uh, yesterday about how many games you would actually have to have all series being to get 80% of the better teams always winning, and that 80% number was based upon uh, that's what the NBA gets. The NBA gets 80% of the better teams advancing in each series in the playoffs, and 80% might be a bit much. That's Somebody called me on that today. You know, I, I, I can take a step back on that one. Maybe we don't need... of the better teams advancing in the playoffs. But I don't like it being a 50-50 toss-up. I don't like it being where home field advantage and having a better record in the regular season mean almost nothing. And that's how it's been in in these playoffs. I just don't like that. I, I, I don't want the regular season's worth only being, well, if you're one of the top whatever teams in the in the National League and in the American League, that that's good enough for you to get into the playoff and that the only thing that matters is that your record is good enough to be a playoff and that it doesn't go beyond that. Now, Padres and Phillies are both really good teams with really talented players with really big payrolls, and things are just kind of coming together for them right now. Uh, so it's not so much that they are underdogs, but they were not the 100-plus win teams like we saw with the Dodgers, like we saw with the Braves, like we saw with the Mets, teams that got knocked out. And I don't know. I just, I, I'm i not against upsets. 
I'm not against the occasional Cinderella story going through uh, going through the baseball playoffs, but more often than not, I want the better teams to win. That's how I am, and I I took I took some guff on that one. A lot of people disagreed with me on that, um, and I was I was surprised the reaction that I got with it. To be perfectly honest with you, because simply stating that. I'd like more of the better teams advancing in the playoffs. I didn't think that was a hot take whatsoever. I, I want the best teams playing because the best teams playing create the best baseball games more often than not. A lot of people disagreed with me on that. I found that interesting. That's that was my takeaway. I spent a lot of time talking about it, thinking about that. I drove home last night uh, as I was uh, just kind of spending time in in any any quiet moments that I've had since then. I've been thinking about the fact that a lot of people took issue with my belief that more often than not, not all the time. And I do think that's maybe where I did a bad job yesterday. Maybe I made it sound like I always want it to be the top teams that I just want nothing but chalk that I want every single team that did better in the regular season and have a better record than the other team they're matched up against the postseason that the team with the better regular season record always wins. That's not what I was trying to say. So if that's how it came across yesterday, that was wrong, um, but I don't. I don't like the randomness. I just I don't like the absolute randomness that we've seen, and that's going. The baseball postseason has always been random. Those numbers we gave yesterday about how many game series you would have to have to assure that the better team, uh, the more talented team, is is getting across eighty percent of the time. Uh, those numbers were from the statistics based before the expanded playoff. I think the expanded playoff has even stuff out even more because there's more teams fighting for their lives down the stretch of the season. There's these good teams that are getting days off, almost a week off, five days off before they open up their playoff run and they're playing against a team that's coming off potentially one day off. Like just, it feels like everything is being smushed together where whatever competitive advantage you might have based upon your regular season record, it just doesn't mean quite as much as it used to. And I don't love that. And again, don't think that was a hot take, but a lot of people did. So there you go. We're going to shift gears. We're going to talk um, some St. Louis Blues hockey. Uh, we'll be very happy to uh, welcome in uh, Andy Strickland onto the program. Blues need to play more games. They've only played one game so far, and they're finally going to uh, play again tomorrow. Uh, but we'll talk with the Valley Sports Midwest Blues rinkside reporter Andy Strickland. We'll do that next at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sunday, it's the Chiefs and 49ers, and you can hear the game here. Pre-game coverage at 2, kickoff 325, Kansas City, San Francisco, this Sunday. Touchdown, Kansas City! On your home for Chiefs football, KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on a Tuesday night. We are efforting Andy Strickland. Hope to talk with him in the next uh, few moments. Some breaking sports news. The New York Yankees have advanced. They are going to the ALCS. They defeat the Cleveland Guardians today by a 5-1 score. With that, they win that series 3-2. Up next for New York, a trip to Houston. The ALCS will begin tomorrow night. Game 1 against the Astros. The NLCS, it is beginning this evening as the Padres and Phillies are going to play Game 1 against each other. I'm curious. We'll talk about this more, I think, coming up on tomorrow's program. As a Cardinals fan, what's the team 
that you are most rooting for now that we're down to baseball's version of the Final Four? I think there's reasons to kind of honestly to like all four teams. The Astros probably last on that list, but the Yankees obviously have a couple uh, key former Cardinals there and and Matt Carpenter and Harrison Bader. Um, Yeah, even the Astros, uh, you, you root for a Dusty Baker. The Padres, you just think about. Uh, that fan base and how long it's been since they've had anything. The Phillies are the team that beat the Cardinals. So, yeah, certainly um, there's reasons to look at each team, I think, as a Cardinals fan and attempt to um, figure out which team you are uh, you are most rooting for to win the World Series. So more on that coming up. But, again, the Yankees have defeated Cleveland, eliminating the Guardians from the playoffs. The St. Louis Blues, they have only played one game this year. There are a lot of teams out there that have played three games. The Blues have only played one. Uh, eventually, the games will start coming fast and furious, uh, but they'll play tomorrow, Wednesday, and then they have to wait to Saturday again, so they'll finally play their third game uh, this Saturday. Very happy to uh, welcome on to uh, the program. He is the uh, rinkside reporter on the uh, Bally Sports Midwest Blues broadcast. He is Andy Strickland. Andy, thanks so much for your time. How are you? Hey, it's great to be with you. I'm doing great tonight. How about you? I am I am good. What's it like for you? You live, breathe, eat hockey, and we're here early on in the season. The schedule makers have decided that the Blues are going to play every three, four days. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're on the NFL schedule, you know, so it's like, uh, but rumor has it they're going to play more than 16 games. So eventually, you know, it's all going to even out. Um, you know, sometimes you'd rather have these breaks later in the season, you know, after the grind of the schedule and maybe with bodies being a little more beat up, but it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing them get on the road for the first time and, uh, and play against, um, you know, play some games and get on this first road trip and kind of get an idea of what they look like because the first test looked pretty good on Saturday at home. All right, so let's throw a positive spin on this. What is uh, the positive side of coming out of training camp, still having some time before you finally play that first game, and then having more time before you play the second? You're getting a lot of practice time on the ice. What is the benefit of having that extra time here early on in the season? Well, I mean, I guess the benefit is, you know, maybe you had some beat-up bodies in training camp and you had those training camp legs and you're dealing with some bumps and bruises and some soft tissue injuries. And there are a couple of players that are dealing with some stuff. You know, I mean, Buchnevich, for example, didn't get on the ice in practice today. And, you know, Logan Brown, for example, is a guy who made the team. But, you know, he's unavailable right now. He's out hurt. So, um, and and I think um, a real, you know, positive is the fact that you can get Jordan Bennington a bunch of games here in the early going. You know, you don't have some back-to-backs. You're not forced to, you know, turn to Thomas Grice just yet. I would imagine he could get a game, maybe that Monday game. Uh, in Winnipeg to close out the road trip. Maybe that's a game where you see Grice play because they're going to want to get him in too. But, you know, the way the schedule sets up, it allows you to get, you know, Bennington some games, get some breaks between games, um, you know, and for some team bonding too. You know, and they were able to get to South Carolina, you know, and now they're going to, you know, have a, a road trip with some off days on this road trip. They got out to Seattle early today. I think they flew out at like noon St. Louis time. So they were going to have plenty of time to spend some time in Seattle there tonight as well. And, and play a national television game. But, you know, listen, you want to play the games. The last thing these guys want to be doing is just practicing every day. Um, so, but again, like I said, it is what it is. I mean, you can find silver lining and some positives in playing games, and I guess you can do the same in the, in the event that the schedule is, you know, it looks like, you know, it does right now. Everything is a tiny sample size right now because of just the one game played. So maybe won't we won't be asking these exact same questions two weeks from now. But uh, in that game against Columbus, and you know Columbus is on back to back, so there's it's hard to really assess this. But it felt like 
the Blues were able to wear them down. And historically, the Blues as a franchise, when they are that kind of big, heavy team that can wear down teams and score some game-winning goals in the third period, that's when they have their most success. Is that part of what maybe what their DNA will be this year? Uh, I think their DNA is just going to be able to score a lot of goals. You know, I mean, you look at the way that they're built. You know, last season you can go back to them having, you know, you know nine, you know, 20 goal scores. And with eight of those, you know, returning right now, then, you know, you know you're going to be able to put the puck in the net. you got an experienced guy back there in Jordan Bennington who should be able to keep the puck out of the net. So, uh, I mean, their, their DNA is going to be a team that can skate. I think they look quicker. Uh, and I know everybody wanted David Perron back, you know, this season, you know, and a guy who obviously has been here and has been a big part of the hockey team and the organization. But, you know, by not having him here, it, it allows guys like, you know, Cairo to be slotted up the lineup for a guy like Jake Neighbors to make the team out of training camp. Torpchenko's got a roster spot. And to me, when you look at the Blues, you know, just their four lines, you go four lines deep, you know, line to line to line to line. They're, they're quicker. They're a better skating team than they were probably at this point last year. And we all know you need to skate. And you look at the big monster inside the division, it's the Colorado Avalanche. And what do you need to be able to do if you're going to beat the Avalanche? You better be able to skate. So, um, they're quicker, and that's one thing about the Blues. I think you'll realize, and that's going to be a storyline as we move along, is just you know how much better of a skating team they are now compared to maybe where they were a year ago. I was listening to uh, Craig Berube speak with the media earlier today, and one of the things that struck me, he was asked about the the uh, Bucinavich, Thomas, uh, Tarasenko line, and he, he opened it by saying that they're a very good line and they play well together and, and so on and so forth. But he also talked about the improvement that that group can make and maybe they're overpassing a little bit. Um, were those comments, do they surprise you at all? What do you take away from that? Which, which line did you say? I'm sorry. Uh, the the, uh, the Buchnevich line. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I thought they were overpassing. I mean, they were overpassing in, in training camp, too. I mean, Ruby made a couple of comments about wanting more shots on goal from Buchnevich specifically. So, um, I thought, specific, you know, really in the first period, um, maybe they were guilty of that. And it's not just the forwards, but it's also maybe some players on the back end, too, who, you know, have some opportunities to shoot the puck. But, you know, like Tory Krug did, on Buchnevich's goal, he made the right play with a beautiful no-look pass, and he was able to find him on the power play. And Buchnevich obviously, you know, finished nicely with a one-time shot. Um, but when you have skilled players the way the Blues do, and, and when you have the connection that they do with one another, just in terms of the chemistry, you know, maybe you're going to see that. Um, and, and things are going to change. It's been one game. And, you know, sometimes the score will dictate that. You know, maybe you're not going to overpass if, you know, you're chasing a game or if you're on the road, maybe you'll simplify it a little bit. Um, You know, listen, so I saw the same thing, but I I just think it's a credit to the skill level and the confidence these guys have in one another. They're unselfish. And sometimes, you know, when you you have that much talent on the ice at at, at once and you look at the chemistry a guy like Tarasenko and Thomas and Buchnevich have with one another and, and, uh, you know, Shannon and Barbashev and these guys, I mean – you're going to have a tendency to do that just based on the confidence that you have. But I, I think that will settle down as we move along here. As we talk about chemistry, maybe the number one storyline throughout training camp was the developing chemistry between a Ryan O'Reilly and a Jordan Cairo. What have you seen from those two guys and how much more can they get even more on the same page as the season goes along? Um, this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And, and um, you know, O'Reilly and, and listen, he can play with anybody. You know, Cairo is the type of player who, whose game is obviously predicated around his speed 
and his explosiveness, his his first three steps, his ability to get separation on you know the the you know on NHL defensemen, um, unlike most players can do, just with pure speed, um, and you know. Just O'Reilly's hockey sense alone allows him to, to work well with whoever's playing on his line. You know, we saw that obviously with David Perron, but he's had, you know, an interchange of left wingers over the course of his time here, whether it's Shen, whether it's Brandon Saad. You know, he's had Barbashev up there. He's had Buchnevich at times, too. So, like, he's so easy to read off of. Um, I don't think it's difficult at all for, for these guys who all have elite level skill. And in the case of Cairo, who can skate and has great hockey sense. Uh, these guys are easy to play with, right, with a guy like O'Reilly. So um, I, w- I would think that will come along. Listen, I said before the season that I thought Cairo is going to end up leading this team in scoring this season. Uh, and, I- and I could be wrong. could be Tarasenko. could be Thomas. could be Buchnevich. Who knows how that's going to play out. But, you know, he's a guy, even with his eyes closed, uh, just gets scoring chances. You saw it the other night in the opener. You know, he gets breakaways. He gets two-on-ones. And, and he's going to continue to get those just based on his, you know, anticipation, uh, combined with his speed and, and his, his, you know, his, his gifts that he has offensively. So, um, listen, that's only going to grow and get better. The big question mark is going to be, you look at the responsibility that O'Reilly has on this team, um, and he closes games out, uh, obviously takes important defensive, defensive zone face-offs. He's on the ice in the final minute of periods of games, like I said. Um, and he has a certain role that he plays. And in the past, he's had a veteran guy like Perron playing with him. You just – you, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch and see how Cairo, uh, if he can handle, you know, playing in that, in that same type of role and having that same type of responsibility, you know, late in games, if they're, if, if they're trying to close out a one goal lead, or are they going to have to flip flop Cairo and Tarasenko and get a more mature player up there and make that in-game adjustment. And I'll be curious to see where the trust is between Craig Berube and, and Jordan Cairo as we get into the, uh, those type of situations, because, if you're going to play with O'Reilly, you've got to be able to play in all situations in all three ends, all three zones. He is Andy Strickland. You see and hear him on Valley Sports Midwest as the Blues uh, rinkside reporter. Andy, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully we can uh, continue to chat with you uh, over the course of the season. Yeah, absolutely, guys. No problem at all. Anytime, give me a shout. Hope you guys are well. Have a great night. All right, very good. There's Andy Strickland joining us. Follow him on Twitter, at Andy Strickland. Uh, appreciate him taking uh, some time. Uh, alluded to Craig Berube and his uh, media session that he had earlier today and some of the things he got into. Uh, we'll play some of his uh, comments. I thought I thought today, more than any other day, and you know, just, just as, as you get into the season, even one game in, who you are as a team uh, starts to uh, develop. And uh, I thought it was interesting some of the things that uh, Craig Berube said earlier today. So we will play them for you, and hopefully you find them interesting as well. It's Sports Open Line. We're back with more in just a moment here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Lots of Blues talk here in hour number one of the program. We'll get a little bit more baseball in hour number two. Uh, Jesse Rogers, national baseball writer and reporter for uh, ESPN and ESPN Chicago. He's going to join us at 720, and then we'll hear from uh, Frank Cusimano, 
uh, from Channel 5. He's going to join us coming up at 7.35. Mentioned uh, during a conversation with Andy Strickland, the media conference that Blues head coach uh, Craig Berube had uh, earlier today prior to the team making their way to Seattle. They're back at it uh, tomorrow evening. They'll open up a three-game road trip. They're doing Seattle, Edmonton, Winnipeg. This is a long trip. It's only three games, but it is a long trip as the third game, that Winnipeg game, it is going to be played in six days from now, Monday, October 24th. So they'll play tomorrow night against Seattle. Then they'll play Saturday night against Edmonton. So they'll go Thursday, Friday on the road without a game. And then after Saturday, they've got the more standard travel day go into a game against uh, Winnipeg on Monday. Their next home game is scheduled for Wednesday, October 26th. Uh, Baruby was asked about the, the, you know, the challenges that go along with this very slow start in terms of number of games played, this very slow start to the schedule. We get good practice time, which is good, but uh, from a uh, playing standpoint, you know, we play a game, then we got three days of game again. And that's the way it's going to be for a little bit, so we just got to deal with it. You notice that right when it comes out? You look at that and say, it's, the schedule says it's a little peculiar? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's... Um, a lot of time kind of you know after camp you're ready to play games you've been you know in preseasons preseasons not you know it's not the same so you're ready to play games but yet you still kind of play one wait play one wait you know so it's a little difficult that's uh Baruby Taba again, the slow start to the schedule. A uh, lot of high-scoring games so far in the NHL. Uh, from a question mark standpoint, I do think you can look at the Blues and their defense, maybe their defensive depth as being one. And he did say that right now team defense very much is a focus for the team. We're working on it a lot in practice, that's for sure. So we're going to continue to work on it and keep hammering away at it. And you know, uh, I think that's the only way you get good at it. You know, like I said, there's a lot of high-scoring games, so, um, you know, we can, you know, become better checking, that checking mindset when we don't have the puck. Um, A lot of it is determination. A lot of it is being hard and physical to play against um, when you don't have the puck. It's a mindset more than anything. Yes, there's structure to it for sure, but it's a it's a mindset. You don't have the puck, go get it and get it back. There's something to be said, though, because you, you have a lot of familiarity here and guys kind of know the systems. And I don't want to say it's easier to get into, but they, they understand it a little better. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, again, yes, they do. Um, but I think, you know, you can always see when you you know the regular season and the playoffs start how you know the intensity goes intensity goes up right and guys are checking harder and doing things that they're desperate uh, you know and you just kind of have to have that mindset throughout the season and be con- be you know um, consistent without the puck uh, for me it's a mindset more than anything. We talked about this with uh, Andy Strickland about the performance of uh, Buchnevich, uh, Robert Thomas, and Vladimir Tarasenko, that line. And Baru was asked about that grouping and did basically say that there is still uh, some room for improvement. We all know they played really well last year together, but you know, playoffs rolled around and mixed it up. I mean, but that's a good line. So and they got really good chemistry together. Now, in saying that, like they got to be a little bit more direct with the puck. Uh, 
thought they, you know, last game they did some good things, obviously, but they overpassed at times, um, you know, and they got to make sure that that's not continuing. Uh, another individual they talked about, and when I look, I, I'm I'm sticking with this. I've said this over and over and over. I feel like for this team to be, and I, I don't think this is a crazy statement by any stretch of the mind, for this team to be better than last year's version of this team, you're going to have to get some really good production from some of your young players. And we talked a lot last week about Alexei Torpchenko and just how how great it was that he was able to work as hard as he did to, to get back off of, uh, of injury and do everything that he needed to do. Another player being given uh, a really big opportunity right now is a Jake Neighbors. And we saw him go score a goal on Saturday night. And uh, Barubi talked about just the improvement he's seen from a very limited amount of time for uh, Neighbors last year to now him being given uh, this legitimate opportunity this year. Stronger, you know, he worked hard all summer. You know, he's a year older, and I think winning the championship in WHOs helped. You know, um, he was the captain of that team, so he's got good leadership skills. And uh, I think just having an off season of training, and he came in stronger this year. And I noticed he had more jump, you know, more quicker, stronger. That those types of things. That's what's going to stand out right now. Does he still look like a twenty year old out there sometimes, or is he handling that pretty well too? He handles it well, but we, you know, he's a young kid. We all know that. So, but uh, he's very mature for his age, that's for sure. Like, I think you know, he's had a, a, an extensive amount of time being with Braden Shen, living with him, and hanging out with him. So he's learned a lot. Last thing I want to uh, play from Baruby from earlier today. Obviously, we've seen uh, Jordan Cairo, uh, Th- Thomas, th- these guys getting uh, contract extensions where all of a sudden uh, they're they're making very good money and we know the, the expectations that go along with being some of the higher paid players uh, on the team. He was asked specifically about those two players and Cairo and Thomas and uh, what kind of the communication has been with those guys about looking at the money that they make but also not – putting their financial situation, their contract situation in a place where it creates even more pressure for them individually. Yeah, I've talked to him about it. Like, listen, money's money. Um, you know, the thing that I try to stress to him is your attitude and your work ethic and competitiveness. If you, you know, you're showing your teammates that you're doing those things on a nightly basis, it can be a problem, you know, like they're good players. They'll get their points and, and things like that, but you have to work and compete and play for the team. That's number one. Again, the Blues are going to be back at it coming up tomorrow night as they open up a three-game road trip. Wanted to mention this as well. Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, uh, spoke after the league board of governors meeting uh, earlier today. I This is potentially a, a very good development for the Blues because we know the Blues are up against the cap. We know the Blues have uh, been spending money. Uh, we know that there's more money to be spent uh, when as they continue to try to put their team uh, together moving forward. The NHL salary cap could jump by over $4 million going into next season. That's that's a big jump, and that's an important jump for teams that are up to the cap the way the Blues are. Uh, what has to happen is the league does need to meet its revenue projections. Uh, Bettman said, quote, We believe there's a good probability that the escrow will be paid off this season, which means the flat cap would be replaced by a bigger increase. So 
I'll read from the ESPN.com story because I'm not smart enough to uh, fully explain this to you. Uh, It reads, the NHL and NHL Players Association signed a new collective bargaining agreement in 2020. They agreed to keep the salary cap flat at $81.5 million until hockey-related revenue surpassed $3.3 billion for the previous season. The salary cap increased for the first time under that CBA this season, up $1 million to $82.5 million. They said uh, the flat cap was necessary because the players owed an estimated $1 billion in debt to the owners due to the uh, COVID pandemic revenue losses. And when that debt got paid off in full, at that point, uh, the cap moves to a what they call a computational cap that is linked to revenue. So that's how it works in, in most sports. When, when you look at the NFL cap, when you look at the NBA cap, uh, the cap is very much connected to revenue. Well, the NHL cap has not been connected to revenue since the pandemic because of the expenses that had to be paid back to owners during that time. So if they hit their revenue goals this year, then everything will be paid off. And at that point, the cap can have a very, very big jump. And then it will continue to move, uh, barring anything crazy happening moving forward. And you hope for nothing like a uh, pandemic once again. But if everything just kind of stays standard from that point forward, the cap can continue to move in a more normal fashion, kind of that straight line going up at that point. Uh, But it could take a big jump going into next season. And that would be very good. That would be very good for a team like the San Luis Blues as it would give them just a little bit more uh, relief in terms of uh, their ability to go and spend some money and do some things that they would like to do. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Back with more in a moment, Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on a Tuesday. Welcome back into the program. Matt Pauley with you. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. If you want to tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Uh, the NFL is making Rams owner Stan Kroenke spend some money, which is good. The $790 million settlement that's already been paid out to uh, St. Louis, that was paid directly from the National Football League. And what NFL team owners had to do was figure out what percentage of that money was going to be spread out across all the NFL owners and what percentage was going to be specifically uh, paid by Kroenke. Now, at one point in time, it seemed like Kroenke was going to be 100% responsible for any money that was owed as a result of his moving of the Rams. And that would have... Best case scenario, that would have been the best, right? Like, just take as much money as possible as you can from that guy. Uh, it didn't work. Kroenke uh, kind of pushed back on that at one point, and the NFL gave in. So the NFL paid that $790 million, where that just came straight from the NFL, and then they needed to figure out what the various owners were going to be on the hook for. Well, NFL owners are going to approve a resolution. Actually, I guess they did. That was earlier today. The resolution was approved of the $790 million paid out to St. Louis. 
$571 million of it was owed by Kroenke. The other NFL owners are uh, handling the other 220 or so million dollars, uh, $219 million, which is about, like, I'm not trying to go to bat for any NFL owner. They're a bunch of corrupt individuals, but I would have much rather seen Kroenke be 100% responsible for that $790 million. Here's the interesting thing on this. NFL owners, to make Kroenke pay the $571 million, NFL owners had to waive the league's limit on allowable debt. So as an NFL owner, you are only allowed to have a certain number of uh, a certain level of debt, and they had to change those rules uh, for Kroenke to be able to come up with the uh, $571 million. So that makes me feel good. Take as much money from that horrible man as you possibly can. Speaking of NFL owners and being corrupt and everything that goes along with it, it really feels like Dan Snyder is on his way out as an NFL owner. Uh, Jim Ursay, who is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, he held an interview uh, following uh, owners' meetings earlier today, and he basically said that there is merit to removing Snyder as the owner of the commanders. And we we don't have time to get into all the things that that organization has been accused of under Dan Snyder, but it's been a lot. Uh, he continues to be under investigation. There was a report this past week from the Washington Post that there's going to be more legal ramifications uh, after another investigation into that team. But when you heard... Um, Al Michaels talking about it the other night on a broadcast uh, about Dan Snyder. Like he's, he's so in with the NFL and he's only saying things that probably get kind of approved in a way from the league. He was talking about Dan Snyder. Now you have Jim Irsay saying this Snyder reportedly there, there was an ESPN report out there that said Snyder has actually used private investigators to investigate the other NFL owners to get as much dirt as possible, basically using that as possible, for lack of a better term, blackmail, that he is not going, that if they're going to remove him as an owner, then he's going to unleash all this information that he has about other NFL owners. And I'm here for that, by the way. I am. I don't like Dan Snyder whatsoever, but if he is going to uh, – as, as corrupt as I think the National Football League is, as corrupt as I think NFL owners tend to be, if they're going to push Dan Snyder out and then he's going to do that, I am all in. I'm all in on that. Let him do it. Let all the dirty laundry of the NFL come out, and uh, we'll see whether or not there's actually that much dirty laundry or not. But uh, Snyder, has that's been his uh, threat. Last thing for you, the NFL announced today, I think this is a really good move for him because the NFL already owns – the Thanksgiving holiday, they are going to extend the Thanksgiving holiday by a day. We all know that the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, that is almost as much of a holiday as uh, Thanksgiving is. The NFL announcing that they are going to have a Black Friday game moving forward every year. Uh, It's going to be streamed on uh, Amazon Prime, so just the way the uh, Thursday night games are this year on Amazon Prime, Amazon is picking up another game starting next year. So 
uh, moving forward, not this year, but moving forward, there's going to be an extra game, uh, an extra national game each year on Black Friday, and that game is going to be uh, streamed. Now they're putting it at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern, so that's 2 o'clock Central. I don't know. Is that the best time to put it? I'm sure they did a lot of thought into that. There's a lot of college football games that are played on on Black Friday. There's a lot of rivalry games uh, that are played on Black Friday, and a lot of them are played during the day, so maybe that's the way to go. But uh, the the way you go about it, if you're the NFL, is create as many TV windows as you possibly can. They do that with these London games that are kicking off at like 9.30 in the morning. All of a sudden, you get a fourth TV window on a Sunday. That's how you continue to uh, create more and more revenue, even if some of the ratings are going down create more tv windows you create more revenue more money for everybody involved all right in hour number two of the program we'll hear from jesse rogers we'll hear from frank cusimano we'll talk a whole lot of baseball this is sports open line i'm matt paulie hanging out with you on a tuesday night right here on kmox